So this is a class on angels and demons, and uh, we've been uh, uh, talking about that this morning. We'll be a little bit uh, off topic, though we're going to use the word angels a lot. And, um, and so it's a, it's a theme, it's important, it's a, uh, we're going to talk about some theology this morning that's important, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and so I hope that doesn't bore you, I'll try to do it with expression, and, uh, and so most of what I would call authority that I would have would come from uh, the Bible, uh, what I would read. So we're going to talk about Christology this morning, Christology is the theology of Jesus uh, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the deity of Jesus. We're going to talk about what it means for him to be the only begotten, the only begotten son of God. We're going to talk about the Trinity and we're going to talk about the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. So we'll get all that uh, uh, material in hopefully. And so I've got a big stack uh, of stuff and lots of verses to go through. So we'll get started. Number one, uh, before I start, let me pray and then uh, have God guide me and enlighten you. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray that you will bless this time, that you will help us as we look into your word to understand fully uh, the truth of your word. We want to know uh, about you, about Jesus, about our relationship with you and how to live life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So number one, Jesus was and is God. He was, always has been, is God, the second person of the Trinity. Infinite, eternal, is always existed with the Father, always existed with the Father. That is, he is without beginning. And the Holy Spirit without beginning or end, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. The attributes of God of being omnipotent, all-powerful, knowing everything, being every place. The attributes of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. Now, one of the things that distinguishes cults often is the fact that they believe or they teach that Jesus was created, that he had a beginning. No matter how far back you go in time, a million years, a billion years, a gazillion years, a billion years, when nothing existed, there was always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are without beginning. They are without end. Everything else has a beginning. Everything else has been created uh, by God. John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That word beginning means when there's nothing else existed except for the Trinity. All things came into being through him. All things, all things are created, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. First John five twenty, we know that the Son of God has come, and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ, the true God and eternal life. Revelations 1, 7 through 8. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So it's obviously it's talking about Jesus, the one who was pierced, the one who was crucified, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. So Jesus is saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Lord God, who is and who was and who is, who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 21, 5 through 7, and he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am, I'm making all things new. 
He said, write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. And again, Jesus speaking here in the book of Revelation. Number two, there is only one God who is almighty, infinite, creator of everything, eternal, without beginning and without end. And so probably when we talk about theology, if we were to uh, uh, talk about the Trinity, that would be one of those topics that often we don't get. We don't understand. We just sort of acknowledge it as being true, though we don't really get it. So I'm hoping that this morning we'll talk about it in a way that you understand it and take some of the mystery out of the term Trinity. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 4. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. Moses is writing this. That you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. So that you and your son, your grandson, might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised to you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. The Lord is one. The Lord God is one God. Isaiah 45, 5 through 6. I am the Lord, there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, there is no one, there is no other. Psalms 86, 9 through 10. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord. They shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone you alone are God. Isaiah forty three eleven. Before me there is no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord. There is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed, and there was no strange God among you. I am God. Even from eternity, I am He. There is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act and who can reverse it. Isaiah 45, 5. I am the Lord. There is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, there is no other, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. First Timothy in the New Testament, 117, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. And so we sing those songs. We acknowledge that phrase, uh, God is one. There is one God. Number three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, are all three equally God. <clears throat> one of the things that's uh, occasionally I'll have a discussion with a married couple. And one of the questions that will come up is this issue of authority and submission and uh, often um, not to pick on ladies often the wives don't like that authority and submission uh, teaching in the Bible now there's this thought that if you are an authority or in submission that it has something to do with worth or value now we'll look at it in a little bit but 
You never, ever see Jesus sending the Father. You won't see it. Always the Father sending the Son. And you hear Jesus say that I am totally submissive to the Father. I only do what the Father instructs me to do. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And Jesus said, it's good for me that I go because when I go to heaven, I will then send the Holy Spirit to you. You never see the Holy Spirit sending the Son. It's always the Son or the Father sending the Spirit. You never see Jesus sending the Father. It's always the Father sending Jesus. There is a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A relationship of authority and submission. Does that mean that Jesus is less than the Father? No. He's equally God, equally powerful, equally eternal, equal in every way. But at some point, this relationship was established, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the sense of authority and submission. Why? Here's a cool thing to think about. Even in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, authority and submission exists. Why? For the purpose of unity, of oneness. For the purpose of unity and oneness. So in life, there is authority and submission. In marriage, in family, in business, in churches, it has nothing to do with value or worth. It's established by God because it is essential, it is absolutely essential for the purpose of oneness and unity. <clears throat> Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As you see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Scripture, you always see them together. Genesis one twenty-six. Then God said, let us, let us, Make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God said, let us make man in our image, plural. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Again, as you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit written in Scripture, there is this constant uh, togetherness, this unity, this equality that's communicated about them. Number four, there are many false gods and religions that people worship that are, cre- that are created, empowered, and controlled by the devil and his demons. We went to Bangkok, uh, Thailand, a number of years ago on a prayer walking trip, and uh, on every street corner... There's a little temple with a Buddha in it. Every street corner. And people have these little incense sticks. They, they would buy money and they would light and they would burn. And then they would put a, a banana in there or something to this little Buddha. We went to this park and there was this stone statue. And there was gold leaf on the statue in various places and what people would do would be to buy this gold leaf and if they had an arthritic elbow they'd put a little gold leaf on the elbow of this stone statue so that their elbow would feel better or if they had a headache they would put a little gold leaf on the head of this uh, rock statue so that they would feel better and I'm looking at that thing and I I wonder 
if I scraped that gold leaf off if anybody would see me. They might get mad because if it was them that put it on the head, they might think that I'm going to create a headache in them by scraping this gold leaf off. And so, was I worried about making anybody mad in the sense of the unseen world by scraping off gold leaf? Every false god, Baal, Buddha, it doesn't matter, they're all empowered and created by the devil as he attempts to get people to worship something other than himself. And I thought, how stupid can a person be to think that a piece of rock and putting a little gold leaf on his head is going to make them feel better? That's just kind of the way we are as people. But it's all generated and empowered by the devil as he tries to get people to worship something other than him. Deuteronomy thirty-two sixteen. They made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods which came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock you begot, who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. 1 Corinthians ten nineteen. What do you mean then, that a thing sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons, demons and not to God. 1 Timothy 4, 1, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons as they attempt to control us and to pull us away from devotion to God. Revelations 13, 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. My battery just went dead in my hearing aid. <laughs> I can always tell it goes beep, 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 beep. So I can no longer hear you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I have some in my office. I'll get them after this class. I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. He makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. He makes the earth. He influences. He blinds. He deceives so that they would worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men, and he deceives. He deceives. That's what demons do. They blind, they deceive. He deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. Did you know that as we get closer to the end of the age that the proliferation of false gods and of demons activity is going to increase rapidly? Um, again, First Timothy says the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Number five, the Father, he is God. Now, that's the point at which most people have no problem. God the Father, he is God. John six twenty seven. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. The Father, God, God has set his seal. 1 Corinthians 8, 4. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. 
For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we exist through him. Number six, the Holy Spirit as a distinct personality is equally God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all without beginning, all without end, all equally omnipresent, equally omnipotent. They know everything, they ever place, they've always existed. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 5, 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To keep back some of the price of the land, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. You have not lied to men, but to God, the Holy Spirit. Luke one thirty-five. the angel answered and said to her, to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Number seven, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, though they are one, are three distinct personalities. You ever hear somebody try to explain the Trinity by saying, it's sort of like an egg. You got the shell, and you got the white, and you got the yolk. Or like water, you have water and then you have ice and you have steam those are really poor illustrations and uh, it's there was a heresy still is around called modalism that simply says it's me changing my form and now I'm patty and then changing my form and now I'm Sarah, our oldest daughter. But just one at a time, not three distinct personalities, just changing the form. That's heresy. It's not true. There are three distinct personalities. Three distinct personalities as much as my wife and I are separate individual personalities, as much as you and I are separate individual personalities. Matthew 3.16, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So you have Jesus coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove, and God the Father from heaven speaking and saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so you repeatedly, over a hundred instances in Scripture, you'll see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at the same time, in the same place, described as three distinct personalities, as much as you and I are distinct personalities. Acts 7:56, he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up. This is Stephen. Before he gets stoned, he gets a vision of heaven. The heavens opened up, and the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, standing at the right hand of, the, of God. Number eight, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, though they are equally God, have different roles with their relationship, within their relationship. So if I say to you, we're going to have a quiz, see how you do. Who is the creator? Uh, Is this a trick question? You'll say, God. Okay, but... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
Who's the creator? Jesus repeatedly is declared to be the one who created everything. The Father spoke it, declared it, commanded it. Jesus created everything. He is the creator, the one who brings everything into existence, who holds everything together. And the Holy Spirit was the finisher, as it were. John 3:16 God so loved the world that he God gave his only begotten son the father gave sent Jesus never the other way around that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for even for though uh, for God did not send the son into the world God is the one who sent the son into the world to judge the world that the world might not uh, might be saved through him Romans 8:32 he who did not spare his own son Delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? The Father sent the Son. John 14, 26. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. God the Father will send the Holy Spirit in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send, Jesus speaking, I will send to you from the Father. That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. So, God the Father sends Jesus. Never Jesus sending the Father. God the Father sends the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. Never the Holy Spirit sending the Father or Jesus. Never. They have these various roles and responsibilities. It's called a relationship. John 16, 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. I will send him to you. Number nine, this is an important uh, bit of theology that many, many, many people uh, mess up big time. Number nine, Jesus was begotten. He was begotten. When he left heaven and became flesh and became just exactly like us with the exception of a sin nature, the begottenness of Jesus was a change in form, was a change in form and image. It was not his beginning. Jesus emptied himself of all that he was as God even though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be held on to, he set that aside and he took upon himself the form of a human like you and like me. At that point, the term begotten was applied to Jesus. Hebrews 1.5, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Today means a point in time. Today I have begotten you, and again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Psalms 2, 7, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Today, a point in time, Jesus was begotten. John 1, 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten, only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now if you talk to a Mormon and uh, you say, "Well, you believe that Jesus was created." And they will say, "The Bible says that today I have begotten you." 
Therefore, he was created by the Father. It doesn't say he was created. He became like me, like you, in form. And at that point, he was called the begotten, the only begotten. John 1.14, the word became flesh. The word speaking of Jesus became flesh. Dwelt among us, we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, that's me, that's you, we're flesh and blood, he himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise also partook of the same. He became flesh and blood like you and I. And through death, he, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So through the whole process, you go way back in the beginning. There was not an atom. There was not an angel. There was not a star. Clear back in the beginning, nothing existed but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three being God. Um, uh, uh, they have no beginning, no end. And at some point, everything that was created had a beginning and nothing existed but the three of them. And then at that point, somewhere in the past, they formed a plan. We were married six years, no kids. Did we say, oh, no big deal. Didn't want those brats running around anyway, spending all my money. Thank you, Lord. No, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that God would bless us with children. And we began uh, uh, investigating adoption, began filling out the paperwork so we could adopt a kid. And it was about then that Patty got pregnant. It was a miracle. The doctor said we would never have kids. We ended up with eight. <laughs> Fooled him. <laughs> Life illustrates spiritual truth. Way back in the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit wanted to have a family. They came up with a plan to create people in their image and in their likeness. But in order for us to be like God, we had to be given choice. Now, God, in his wisdom, knew as soon as he gave me the choice that I would choose poorly, I would sin. So when they were coming up with this master plan of having a family, part of the plan was how are we going to solve the sin problem? If we're going to create beings that are going to be like us and live with like us, part of the process is that we have to become like them. And so Jesus became like us in form. Hebrews 2.17, therefore he had, he had, he had no choice if we were going to become like him. He had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God and make propitiation for the sins of the people. Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God, the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the form the bondservant being made in the likeness of men. So what's the word for that? He left 
Heaven emptied himself. The form of God took upon the form of men. He was begotten. He was begotten. Things changed. For my sake and for yours. Hebrews 1.10 And you, Lord, in the beginning, speaking of Jesus, laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all will become like a garment, like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will all be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Speaking of Jesus, he's eternal, and he's the creator of everything. Number 10, Jesus never stopped being God when he became flesh. He just temporarily set aside the attributes of God as he identified with us. So, let me give you a, a test. One question. When Jesus was five years old, was he all wise, omniscient, all wise, knowing everything? No, he was not. He was not. Was he God? Yes, he was. He simply, simply temporarily set aside the attributes of God, one of which is all-knowing. And so the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in wisdom, which obviously means he wasn't all-wise. He set that aside temporarily when he was begotten, became like us so that he could live like us and experience everything we experience to be tempted in every way we are tempted. He had no advantage over us as he lived life. Now, there's some people who think that when Jesus was laying in the cradle, he could have said, hi, mom, and then reverted back to being a baby. No, he was a baby, 100%, with all the limitations of a baby. And he grew in stature. He grew in wisdom. He grew in character. He grew in favor with God and with man, the Bible said. Hebrews 2.9, For we do not see him who was made for a little while, made for a little while, lower than the angels, namely Jesus. He was made lower than the angels temporarily. Because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory, honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Number 11, Jesus has now, as the begotten Son of God, reclaimed the attributes of God while remaining to be like us. So here's a key point. When Jesus emptied himself, when he changed his form and became like us, he reclaimed the attributes of God at the point of his resurrection, ascension into heaven as he was seated at the right hand of the Father. But what he had taken on in the, in the way of form remained. He was eternally changed at the point of his becoming man in his form, though he is God. And again, way back, we want a family and we want them to become like us in order for them to become like us and for there to be oneness in us with our family we need to become like them which Jesus did 1 John 3 2 beloved now we are children of God and, is not, uh, and, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be we're going to get a new body 
we know that when he, Jesus, appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Now, this is not talking about character. This is talking about appearance. We will see Jesus and we will be like him because we will see him and he will be like us. He took upon a new form and that form is eternal. And so we will relate with him, talk with him, fellowship with him because he will be eternally like us. Hebrews 1.3, and he is the radiance of his glory. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact representation of his nature. Upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus is now in heaven interceding for us. Number 12, Jesus, as a man grew in character, became perfect. <clears throat> so I ask this question and I teach it every chance I get, but there's still a whole bunch of people that it, it hasn't clicked, I guess. I don't know. What does it mean to be perfect? When the Bible says, you be perfect as God is perfect, it does not mean sinless. It means mature, grown up like Jesus. James says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, that you might be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So the question is, when Jesus was walking around on the planet Earth, was he perfect? No. He had to grow in wisdom, in stature, and in character. Uh, Hebrews 2.10, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory, that's you, that's many, bringing us to glory into the family of God to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings, to perfect the author of their salvation. Jesus was made perfect, grown up, mature in character by living life. And so do we. Okay, we're going to change a new chapter. I got to hurry because I'm running out of time and there's lots of verses on this one. I may skip some reading of it. 13, the term angel of the Lord when used in the Old Testament is referring to Jesus and the physical manifestations of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament were Jesus. You'll see that term used dozens of times in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the captain of the host. All of those are referring to Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, in a physical form in which people saw and interacted with. You can bring many of those to mind just from your knowledge of Bible stories. Genesis twenty two eleven. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The angel of the Lord spoke from heaven. That's Jesus. And moving down, if the people doing the sound thing can do that, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, I will, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. By myself I sworn, declares the Lord, 
So it's obvious from the context, the angel of the Lord is God. Uh, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus, we'll jump ahead. There we go. You all know this story very, very well. Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, so you have the angel of the Lord, the Lord, and God. Moses, Moses said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Who was that? That was Jesus. That was Jesus. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead again. i got so much to read. that um, Exodus chapter 23. Nation of Israel is in the wilderness. Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious toward him, for he will not pardon your transgression since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that he said, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you, bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. That was Jesus. Old Testament manifestation of Jesus. Uh, And the term that was used was the angel of the Lord. And the one that you know quite well. And God was angry. Because he was going and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. He was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey donkey turned off from the way and went into the field. And so we could read some more there, but it becomes obvious that this angel of the Lord with the drawn sword is Jesus. An Old Testament physical manifestation of God was Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Joshua five thirteen. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man. A man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the hosts of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, bowed down, said to him, what has my Lord said to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Old Testament manifestation of Jesus in a physical form, appearing as a man. <clears throat> so we could talk about uh, Gideon, his conversation with God. We could talk about Abraham and numerous conversations with God. Uh, we could talk about Samson's parents and their conversations with the angel of the Lord. And uh, you can see story after story in which the word angel of the Lord is used. Those are Old Testament 
manifestations of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Number 14 in your notes. Most of the Old Testament appearances of God in appearance as a man are Jesus. I didn't take the time to, uh, I won't take the time on this one because we're kind of running out and I got too much stuff. Melchizedek. Who was that dude? That was Jesus. Read the book of Hebrews, it's fairly clear. Abraham returned from the slaughter of the kings and here was the priest called Melchizedek and he he gave him a tenth of the spoils and Melchizedek uh, shared the first communion service with Abraham there in that passage in the book of Hebrews, Melchizedek. Uh, Without beginning, without end, it says. It was a physical appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The image, the physical image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. By him, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens, on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hebrews 1, 1, after God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. In Ezekiel 1, 1, now it came about on the 30th year of the, on the fifth day of the fourth month, when I, while I was by the river Shebar among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Ezekiel saw Jesus, the physical manifestation of the Trinity. Ezekiel one twenty six. now above the expanse that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne, like lapis leluzi in appearance. And on that which, and on that which resembled a throne, high up was the figure of the appearance of a man. Of a man. Jesus. 15, the oneness of the Trinity is an expression of their perfect love for each other. I'm going to go back now to the Trinity. There are three distinct personalities. How then are they one? The oneness of the Trinity is an expression of their perfect love, perfect love for each other. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. John 5.20, the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing, and the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. John 14.31, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Genesis 2.24, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and, he, and be joined to his wife, and, the, and they shall become one. My wife and I are one. Are we one personality? No, we're two distinct personalities. In what sense are we one? In the sense that we have this strong love for each other. That's what we're supposed to be. Now, many aren't. 
Ephesians 5.28, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No one has hated, ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife. The two shall become one. Two shall become one. 16, the oneness of the Trinity is an expression of their perfect unity and agreement in their relationship. Their perfect unity and agreement in their relationship. Their love for each other is so complete, they are like one but separate. Their unity and agreement about what they do is so strong that is, that is like they are one. John 10.30, I and the Father are one. It's obviously their two personalities. John 17, 21, that they, he's praying for us, the church, that they may all be one. We, one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in the same way we are one. How are we one? In unity and agreement and in love for each other that they may be one even as you and I are, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. John, uh, number 17, we're created by God in his image and in his likeness. When we see Jesus, we will be like him. Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the herds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 18, we crave to be loved and to, and to love because we are like God. We crave to love and to be loved because we are created in the image and likeness of God, and God is perfect love. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit love each other with an incomprehensible love. We're created in his image. Therefore, we crave love from others and both to give and to receive. John 15, 9, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. I love you, Jesus said, in the same way God loves me. Abide in my love. John 17, 26, I have made your name known to them I will make it known so that the love which you love me may be in them and I in them. That the love, Lord, that you love me with, I will love them with and they will love me with and they will love you with and we will all be one in love. 19, we function best, grow in character and bear much fruit in an environment of unity because we are like God. We don't like conflict we may cause it but we don't enjoy it because we're created in God's image and in his likeness John 17:23 I in them you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me I in them you in me they in us that they may be perfected in unity number 20 the foundation of healthy relationships with people is our growing relationship with God The closer I am to God, the more one I am with God in unity and in love and in purpose, the closer I can be with you. If I have a poor relationship with God, I will have a poor relationship with you. James 4, 8, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. 
First Chronicles 28, 9, the Lord searches all hearts, understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. Psalms 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Revelations 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in to him, will dine with him, he with me. I will have an intimate relationship. Proverbs 16.7, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he, God, makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. My relationship with God determines more than anything else my relationship with you. My relationship with God determines more than anything else my relationship with my wife. My relationship with God determines more than anything else my relationship with my kids and my grandkids. I don't love them simply because they are my kids. I love them because I'm created in God's image, His likeness. I am capable of loving. And to the degree that I love God and seek God to that same extent and to that same degree, I will love others. And I will seek unity with others. Daniel 1.9, God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Genesis 39, 21, the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. 1 John 4, 7, beloved, let us love one another. Love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 21, those who love others sacrificially pursue unity diligently and are gracious and kind to everyone receive great blessings from God. That's a mouthful. Those who love others sacrificially, love others sacrificially, pursue unity, unity diligently, are gracious and kind to everyone, receive a great blessing from God. God loves unity. He is one. He loves love. He is love. And when we pursue unity and love, God blesses us, empowers us tremendously. Ephesians 4, 1, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Worthy of the calling with which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Walk worthy of who you are as a child of God. John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, without beginning, without end. God planned us to be in his family, to enjoy him, him to enjoy us, to have the character of Christ to be made perfect and complete so that our unity with him, with the Trinity in heaven, will be united. So you have a choice every day. That is, you can pursue, Paul said that's the word, he said pursue maturity. Pursue the character of Christ. Be perfect, grown up like Jesus. And by the way, God says, I'll help you out. I will bring trials into your life. It says he perfected Jesus through trials and he perfects us through trials. 
Did you know that trials don't work if you grumble? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Consider it all joy. If you don't, it's a waste. You wasted them. God brought trials into your life to make you like Jesus, and you wasted it. You did not grow because of those trials, because you grumbled and complained and fussed and whined, and that, oh, no, I thought God loved me. I say this regularly. Let me say it again. I love saying it. Some people, oh, they don't like it. God doesn't care if you are happy on this planet. What he cares about is that you become like him in character. And he will do whatever it takes because eternity is a long time. And he doesn't want you stepping into glory as a baby. He wants you to step into glory perfect and complete, lacking in nothing like Jesus in character. And he's the potter, we're the clay. He will do everything to conform us to the image of Jesus. But we have to cooperate with the process. We have to cooperate with the process. And if we don't, um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, I couldn't speak to you as to mature men. I had to talk to you like you were babies, infants in Christ. You don't want to stay there. You want to grow, 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 grow. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. God gave us everything we need to become like Jesus in character. He will control the environment. He will control the circumstances, shaping us, molding us. But we have to cooperate with the process. We have to seek it diligently. And then someday I will step into glory, into heaven. I will see Jesus. And uh, we'll have a great time together. Because I will be like him and he will be like me in character. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you way, way, way back in the beginning, before anything existed, before there was an angel, before there was a star, you planned us. You wanted us to be with you. You wanted us to live with you. You wanted us to fellowship with you. You wanted us to laugh with you, to, to love with you, to be one. And you created this life as a, as a process of making us like yourself. I pray that we would want that, we would hunger for that, we would thirst for that. And we would cooperate with you in every way and to pursue maturity, pursue character with diligence. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.